So we're in week three of our series, our series that's called Alive, because we know Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus is alive. That sounds like a contradiction. Jesus died and Jesus is alive, but that's the beauty of our Lord and our faith. So we've been reading through the book of Matthew together, one chapter at a time. And in this series, we look back on the last week of Matthew, and we consider the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what stood out to you all this week from the past week's readings? There's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, we know it's all good. It's the Bible. It's God's good word. But what stood out to you this past week? Now, as you're sharing those things, those, those highlights or those ponderings or those things that excited you, um, we're going to go ahead and dive into our passage today. It's no surprise what story it is. It's today's reading. It's Matthew 21, 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And if you have your green things, you got to get ready to wave them because there's going to be a couple hosannas coming again. So Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Here we go. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Now untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed, they all shouted saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What stands out to you about this true story of Jesus entering Jerusalem? A story many of us have heard several times, and yet God's word still speaks. So today, as you hear his story, what stood out to you? Perhaps something new, perhaps a new little trinket you didn't uh, notice before. And what do we learn about Jesus in this story? What always surprises me, and it shouldn't because it's at the core of who Jesus is, is how humble Jesus is. He rides in on a donkey. 
He doesn't come in on this great war stallion or in a chariot, but a simple, a pure, a never before ridden, a saddleless donkey. He doesn't arrive with an army at his hands, and instead, it's with his people. These common, everyday people, just like you and me. And with his friends by his side, to enter into the gates as he proceeds into the city to a great and a modest fanfare. This is contrasted by the other procession that happened this week, which was when Pontius Pilate came into Jerusalem with his war chariots and his armies and his guard on a pelican, likely, that kind of thing. No, Jesus is humble. But what else do we see? See that Jesus, he is our king. He is a great king. He's not just a great king. He is the king above all kings. He's the king of kings. And he is our king. He came for you and for me. And he enters the city not to conquer it by force, as many as most people had expected him to. No, he came to conquer the city, to conquer indeed the world with his love. He is our king and we are in his kingdom and his procession is an embodiment of the peace and the hope that we have in him. It's an embodiment of the very message of the kingdom of God. But there is so much tension in this story. So much tension because we know what's coming. We know the hurt, the pain, the betrayal, the denial, the suffering, the death that is to come for the Prince of Peace. But Jesus willingly walked towards what awaited him. And he did that with you on his mind. Jesus willingly walked towards it. See, this passage, it's called the triumphal entry. For it's the moment of greatest fanfare during his earthly ministry, but it's so much more than that. Jesus can enter triumphantly, for he knows the triumph that he is bringing into the world and into your life. He entered into Jerusalem, knowing the pain, the suffering, the death to come because he knew that it wasn't the end of the story. And he did it willingly for each of us. So is anyone going just stir crazy out there? Are you going just completely nuts? I mean, people are hearing me say pelican, so I'm guessing that we are going nuts. <laughs> Paliquin, I think is what I meant to say. That thing, you know, people, yeah. I don't know about you, but this social distancing thing, it's having this weird effect on me. This is, it's just weird. See, most days I'm doing pretty good. But then some days I'll wake up, I just don't feel like myself. I'll be down or I'll just be frustrated, just kind of out of sorts, you know? And it's disorienting. This whole reality we're living in now, it's very disorienting. The experience of being in isolation, it's just emotionally disorienting. So now 
my family and I, we are truly cherishing our time together. Uh, I think Mackenzie Bronson described uh, life at home with young kids during this time as a beautiful chaos. And a lot of days I need to remember that the chaos, which is definitely present, that it's beautiful. But honestly, it is. It is a beautiful chaos. See, this is a, a precious and good time that Meg and I get to spend together with our boys before our baby girl comes in about a month. And it's given Meg every opportunity to ramp up her nesting phase to like 500%. I mean, you should see our closets. They're immaculate. There are things happening with organization I didn't know existed. Is anyone else out there reorganizing or cleaning your closets? Or who out there, time to own up, has that on their list of things to do, but you just haven't touched that closet yet? And it lingers in your mind and, you know, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> so there's absolutely good in this time. And to view it as a gift instead of a burden does help. But some days, it just feels like a lot. And I finally figured out some of what my own struggles have been. Honestly, I miss being around people. I really miss seeing my friends. I miss you guys. The church is a community of people. It's a family. And we blame what community we have digitally. And we get creative. And we, we call people and we FaceTime and have a million Zoom meetings. And, and we use Facebook to connect but there's no replacement for in-person, human-to-human contact. And the weirdest thing about it all for me is that this whole experience has come, brought me to the point to come to accept that I think I'm an extrovert. I always thought I was an introvert. I would claim it proudly in my own quiet, gentle way, but something has happened in my life and it, some shift has occurred, and now I am Kevin, and I am an extrovert, and I miss my people. Do you miss your people? Introverts, are you basking in all of this, or is this starting to get to you too? See, I think it's affecting all of us, whether we admit it or not, for we were not created to be in isolation, but we were created for community, for relationships. So most days, I'm doing really good. But some days I wake up and I'm just a weird ball of a hot mess because I'm just so emotionally disoriented. So I get it together and my wife and my family are awesome, but that's just life. Sometimes you wake up feeling like that super messy, untouched and unclean closet. But do you remember how Jesus entered into Jerusalem, knowing the pain, knowing the hurt, knowing the heartache and the suffering to come? Guess what? Jesus willingly and triumphantly enters into our lives. He enters into our long-standing and enduring relationship with us, with you and with me, knowing our pain, knowing our suffering, knowing all of our anxieties and our worries and our stressors and our struggles and our emotions 
and our longings and our shortcomings, all of our weirdness, and Jesus willingly enters into our lives, and he never leaves. He is with us through it all. And he is able to save and rescue us from it all. See, I was trivialized, I trivialized, trivialized, triv, tri <laughs> trivialized, there it is, this reality a little bit. But I know that there are those of you out there who are really struggling right now, whose jobs are uncertain, finances are a burden, you're trying to figure out how to help your kid with their school, you have no idea how to wrap your mind around common core math, because who does? What is that? And, or you're sitting there, deciding, is this time for me to retire? Do I need to pull out my retirement? It just took a hit. It just dropped by a third. What do I do? But here's the reality. Jesus has entered into your mess. He has entered into your pain, your worries, and Jesus is the one who saves. God shows there is nowhere he won't go. There is nothing he won't do to save one of his children. He enters into the tension, into the pain, because through it and in it, he gives us life. It's like the parable of the lost sheep. Matthew 18, 12 says this, if a man has a hundred sheep, one of them has gone astray, he leaves the 99 on the mountain to go in search of that one. And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that went astray. See, that is why Jesus came, to draw near, to find you, to seek you, to save you. He left heaven to come to earth. He lived this very life and gave this ministry that we have been reading about. And he can enter triumphantly into the week of his death to save and rescue you because of his great and abundant love for you. That's what Hosanna means. That's what the people have been crying out when Jesus entered Jerusalem. It means save, Hosanna. It's a cry for help as well as a shout of praise. It's, it's a word filled with tension in and of itself. Praise you, God and save me. They are giving him glory, acknowledging him as the one who saves. And all who cry out, Hosanna, we are the ones who need the saving. Save me, Jesus, for glory alone be to you. You are the rescuer, Jesus, and I need saving. Hosanna. Now here's another tension. The very people calling Hosanna will very soon be the ones shouting crucify him. And Jesus knew this. He knew this. And he entered triumphantly anyway. Why did he go? Why did he enter this world? Why did he fight through temptation? Why did he draw close? Why does he never leave your side? 
It's all out of the deep, enduring, never-ending love for you and his people. Jesus came to make things right. He came to make them whole. He did it to save you and to save me, to rescue you and to rescue me, to make things right, to make us whole. So when you wake up and you feel that it is too much and you feel overwhelmed or burdened, you feel like you don't have any energy to face the day ahead, your anxieties try and grip and strangle you, remember that Jesus Christ, the one who saves, came to rescue you. His spirit dwells within you. You may feel alone. You may feel isolated, but you are never alone. No. For when Jesus entered triumphantly into Jerusalem, he entered as your king, and he has triumphantly entered into your life to give you hope in the hurting, in the unknown, and the uncertainty. He is God. He is God who draws close to his people, and nothing can or will ever scare him away, even your messy closets. <laughs> Do you believe that? Do you believe that today? Believe it, friends, and receive it. In this week ahead, it's Holy Week. We know Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to be denied. He's going to be abandoned by his closest friends. And yet, Jesus still steps closer in love. We know he's going to be mocked and ridiculed, spat on, beat on, insulted and belittled. And Jesus still steps closer in love. He knew what was to come on that good and terrible day on Friday when he is hoisted upon a splintery cross. He suffers amongst sinners, for sinners, while he himself is without sin. And yet, Jesus still steps closer in love because that is how Jesus conquers the world. He conquers the world with his love. And three days, three days after breathing his last, the stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty because nothing, not even death, can stop Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, from stepping closer to you in love. That is our Jesus. That is our King. That is the one who saves. So how can we respond? How do we respond to that incredible act of love? How do we respond to a God who steps closer in love and in triumph into our tension? Give your weakness to God, and he will give you his strength. Give your weakness to God, and he will give you his strength, because Jesus tells us when you are weak, I am strong. So when you feel weak, when you feel uncertain, when you struggle and you fall and you ache, give all your weaknesses to God, because he is faithful, and he is loving, he is trustworthy, and he will step closer to you in love, and he will give you his strength to carry you through. 
We have said it each week, but it is worth repeating. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world with his love. The same love that allowed him to step forward into Holy Week. The same love that allows him to step close to you. Some of you may know, uh, I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings. If you're my friend on Facebook, you especially know that. You may have noticed I made a post yesterday about it, and that post now has over 200 comments. Almost all of them are GIFs, uh, primarily from Lord of the Rings, with some Star Wars. Now, in the movies, there's a few moments that get me every time. Probably the most potent one for me, uh, where the tears start to fall. It's near the very end of the last movie, Return of the King. Frodo has been on this epic quest over the, the whole course of the series, right? And he's been, Sam has been alongside him the whole time. Frodo's mission is to destroy the One Ring, which is evil personified. He's on the mountain, Mount Doom. He's almost to the point where he will finally finish his task and ease this heavy burden. And it has been a heavy burden. But it becomes too much. It's at the very end, he can't go on. He can't even move. He is exhausted. He's broken down and beaten and hurting. But Sam, oh, Sam, his great friend says to him, he says to Frodo, Frodo, I may not be able to carry the ring for you. But I can carry you. And he scoops up Frodo. This is his friend who has endured just as much as Frodo. He's been by his side the entire time, but he grabs Frodo and he carries him up that mountain. I'm getting chills. Frodo's burden, you see, it was the ring. But Sam's burden was Frodo. And Sam took up Frodo, which lifted Frodo's burden. We have burdens in this world. We have, each of us, a calling, a purpose, a mission, just like Frodo. And in this life, we will have trouble, and we will fall, and it will feel like too much. But when we fall, God is right there to lift us up, to carry us along with our burden. And he will pick you up, and he will carry you, and all your exhaustion, all your confusion, all your pain, and all your hurt, and he will carry you through because God is the one who saves. He entered into this world to save. He longs to save and to rescue you. He is the mighty rescuer. He will rescue you to save you to sustain you through this. And it will be different than you imagine. There will be hardship. There may be pain. There may be loss in this earth, in this experience. But take heart, for he is with you through it. He will carry you through to the victory that awaits. God is good all the time even in the pain, even in the sorrow, 
all the time, God is good. Do you today believe that God can rescue you? Do you believe he has the power to save? That he is triumphantly walking towards you even now? Because he is stepping closer in love to you today. For he is the mighty one who saves. Hosanna, save us and praise be to you, O God, our rescuer. Amen. Can you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so, so good, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor that you deserve today, Lord. You are the Lord and creator of the universe and everything in it. Father, we are awed, awed by the depth of your love for us. We know, Lord, that we are sinful beings. We know that we daily choose things outside your will for us. And yet you still love us. And yet you still entered into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna, knowing what was to come. Because you loved us so dearly, you wanted to rescue us. All it takes, Lord, is for us to say, I want you to be my God. I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. And you do. And you do. So Lord, we give you thanks this day for your enduring love. We give you thanks this day for your almighty power over all things in heaven and earth. We give you thanks that you have power even over death. So as we set our eyes on the cross this week, as we look forward to Holy Week, we know that you're not on that cross. We know you're not even in that tomb, Lord. But you are alive today. So we give you thanks. Father, we pray that we will continue to cry out to you as the one to save us, as the one worthy of all our praise. We pray, Lord, in the midst of what we are going through right now, that we feel close to you, that we don't view this time as just something to get through, but we see it as an opportunity to draw closer to you. Lord, we pray for those within our community, within our families that need to know you, that do not know you yet, do not know that you love them so dearly that you came to rescue them. We think of those people by name right now, God, the people you've placed in our lives that you so desperately want to call upon you. Lord, we think of those people we want to invite to join us for Easter next week. We pray that you do your mighty work in their lives so that they can find freedom that is only found in you. Lord, we join in with the crowds. We join in with your people shouting Hosanna. For you are the mighty one who has come to save. 
So we do pray, Lord, that you even save us now in this experience now, that you heal this land, that you protect us and our families from sickness, that you keep our minds strong and set on things that are good, pure, and holy, and right that are found in you. We pray for a quick cure. We pray for wisdom and how we act and the things we do so that we can do our part for the good of this community. And we thank you, Lord, that when it feels like too much, you carry us and our burdens with us. We love you, God. It is in the power of Jesus that we pray, saying, Amen. 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 Okay, friends. That's our message for today. Uh, we're gonna, I want to give you a blessing. And then after the blessing, I'll stay on for just a, a few minutes. If you would like, I'll, I'll scroll through some of your comments. And if there's anything there, I'll, I'll pull out from that. Or if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer for you as well for a few minutes. But in the meantime, will you stand to receive God's blessing on your life? Brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Will he turn his attention towards you and bring you his everlasting peace? Amen. Amen.